Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Today's guest on The Business of You is Chris Williams. Chris Williams is probably one of the friendliest and most real people I've ever met on Facebook. We truly met through Facebook. It was early 2020 when Chris pinged me on Facebook Messenger and invited me into a group of agency owners. And of course, I did what we all do. I ignored it. And I ignored it, but he continued to be persistent, not in an not in an irritating way, but for some reason in March of 2020, I decided to follow through on his invitation and we hopped on a Zoom call. Uh, Chris and I became friends and I've gotten to know him fairly well as much as one does through the world of the internet. But what I love about Chris again is his authenticity and his desire to help. Chris is the founder and CEO of a company called Group Coach Nation. He also is the founder and CEO of another company called Scent Hold. Chris is doing well into the seven figures with both these businesses. They are very different and unique from one another, but Group Coach Nation is the one he talks about most today. And this is a company where he helps people uh, start and run and grow masterminds. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You. And just a couple more things about Chris. He is a father of five. He doesn't own a car. And he is an ultra marathoner. So again, super interesting guy, friendly and very authentic. Enjoy today's episode. All right, Chris Williams, so good to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm awesome, Rachel. I'm so glad to be here. All you Rachel fans, isn't she great? Like, I've known Rachel for several years now, and I'm actually kind of giddy about this interview. Rachel, thanks for having (laughs) me hanging around. You're always giddy, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have done some really interesting things these last couple years, and I would love for you to share your story of um, your entrepreneurial journey, how you started your initial company, and you know, bring us up to speed on like what you're doing today and how you got into that. Okay. So let me kind of work backwards. Can I? Yeah. Yeah. You can work backwards. Okay, cool. So today, right now, <laughs> so entrepreneur will say right now what I'm doing, cause it'll probably change again. Right <laughs> <laughs> No, we're on a, we're on a steady track. Um, we teach experts how to build high ticket masterminds. All right. Super straightforward. But, but the thing is when you see an entrepreneur with like, Oh my gosh, that's genius. What a great idea. They're like, how do they how do they follow that? Because it's so freaking hard to like decide who's this market I'm going to serve and how am I going to help them and what am I going to sell people and all the stuff that goes into that. It's so hard to decide, right? So helping experts build high ticket masterminds at Group Coach Nation is the thing we do. But honestly, Rachel, that came from like the steps in front of it. And we just intentionally followed 
the right direction where the market was going. All right. So let me kind of unpack that because I think that's the real story. Mm -hmm. It's also super helpful for anybody listening in. So I was running a digital marketing agency and still have that. And we work with surgeons and subspecialties, bariatric, cosmetic, and plastic surgeons. We help them grow their practices. We build strategies. We bring a bunch of leads. That's that's what we do. Okay. Now, I was, I don't know, 14, 16-hour days, just rocking and rolling, crushing that thing, trying to build it, grow it, all the stuff. Missing my kids. Got five kids, as you know, Rachel. Mm -hmm. And I just wasn't home. I wasn't home any day, really. I was working like crazy. So building this thing was great. But what I realized is like I was starting to miss the real stuff. And I know people say that story all the time, but we all we all get there eventually. Like, oh, my gosh, my life is just about work. Yeah. And it, it might feel successful rushing off and jumping on calls and feeling so important that I'm super busy, but it's not. Yeah. And it, it's just not. So I read this this crazy BS book called The 4-Hour Work Week by this <laughs> crazy entrepreneur named Tim Ferriss. I read it once like everybody has or else on your shelf and you've read half of it, right? And I was like, this is so full of it. Like there's no freaking way. Guy's a great marketer, but come on. But I was desperate. So I remember Rachel actually um, getting the audiobook version of that also, raking leaves in my backyard seven or eight years ago just listening to it the second time through. And I remember, like, I remember, I can, like, closing my eyes right now, picture myself, like, laying the rake down on the ground, going over and sitting on our porch, taking out a notes app on my phone, and I started taking notes the second time through. And I outlined most of that book. Then the next day, I made a mind map. I, I didn't even know how to do that. I just Googled how to make a mind map. I found some online program. I made a mind map of all the steps I needed to do to start working less so I get my life back in order. Okay. Long story short, in four months, just doing what the freaking book said to do, I was working four hours a day and my income quadrupled. Wow. And I wasn't trying to make more money. I mean, sure, I'm not opposed to it, but I, that yeah. wasn't the goal. The goal was just, I want to see my kids. Yeah. And all I did was started putting systems and in, in place and started delegating really effectively and started looking for, with the extra time I had, I was just able to stop and start looking for what's really going on in my business and my market and the opportunities in front of me. That's what the, the systems and people got my time down. But once we get time all of a sudden the opportunities start to become obvious because we're actually able to use these crazy brains that we have. And they're all really good brains and you can, everybody can do this. You just need time and space to think. Yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden, here I am. I got, I am working half days. Income's gone up. And one of the things Tim recommended in that book is like, go ahead and plan a 30-day vacation. Like, he's like, you're going to have a health issue. You're going to have a stroke. You're going to have a heart attack. Like, stress is going to get you. So slow down and plan, plan your hospital visit, quote unquote, but do it on a beach somewhere. Decide to take 30 days off. Don't let life happen to you that way. So I planned a vacation. My my family and I, we spent five weeks going from North Cal Northern California down to Southern California, learning to surf. And, and that was like, I don't know, six or eight months after I read the book. And, and it worked. And so people started saying, Chris, how are you doing this? 
like what's going on? Are, are, are like, are you a drug dealer? How do you have so much time and money? Like, this is freaking amazing. And I was like, I read the book, told him the story I just told you. Well, I realized people would pay me to like go to lunch basically and tell them what I just told you. And then I realized, oh my gosh, this is the other part of that book that that Tim Ferriss wrote for our work week about having an information-based business. I could sell the information that I've learned. So I built a mastermind, not on the four-hour work week, but on how to run specifically a digital marketing agency in less time, generate more profit, and get your life back. And we filled up our masterminds. And that was when, like 2018? Yeah, yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. And and that was so fun. I realized I love teaching. And before that, Rachel, this is part of the story I hardly ever tell. Before that, for like five years from the early, I don't know, I don't know, 2012, 13, 14, somewhere in there, I started trying to figure out, like I was seeing all these online entrepreneurs sell e-courses and e-books and all the stuff, right? The money tree. I want the money tree. And, and I... I spent five years, I built five different e-courses. We spent over $100,000 in ad spend and had my team working on it constantly. And I sold one, one freaking e-course in five years. It was a $1,997 offer, just about $2,000. The person who bought it never even opened the e-course. Pretty sure that was Jill logging in and trying to make (laughs) me feel better. Like, I'll just go buy one of Chris's e-courses. That was it. And so all of a sudden I found, oh my gosh, I actually now have something that people are asking me about. They want to know this. And so I asked some people how to do it. And they taught me how to build my first mastermind. And that changed so much for us. All of a sudden I was teaching and selling information, not just doing. And that was a big shift. I also wonder if it was something about your energy and the way you connect with people, because your model meant you were doing Zooms with people, right? It wasn't just like a completely passive digital course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And what were you doing before you started your agency? What, like, what led you to even launching an agency? Well, when I was 11, I got a lawnmower that I traded my next door neighbor for. I I got their lawnmower and I cut their grass for free for an entire summer with the deal that I could keep the lawnmower at my house. And after that summer, the lawnmower belonged to me. I I basically worked for the lawnmower. lawnmower. Uh So um, I immediately went out and knocked on a bunch of other doors and got five or six other lawns within walking distance of my house. And I cut their yards because I had equipment. And... Um, then I sold that business when I was 18 and had three crews. Um, I hired my first team member when I was 14. So I'm an entrepreneur. That's yeah. me. Got out of college, went into financial advisory work, like selling stocks and bonds and insurance, and then ended up building our own financial firm. Um, and then sold that several years later. And I sold that to start working with surgeons in the uh, in the advisory digital marketing space because we had a lot of those clients in the financial planning space anyway. And I saw the need and I realized, I think I can, I can help and build a, a profitable business around helping them solve this problem. Mm. So mm. all of that story is kind of backing up and you realize what's going on is I'm just like, as an entrepreneur, like pulling the thread of what's working right. and trying to figure out where does that thread go and then looking for the next 
kind of tangly knot that that thread's connected to yeah. and figuring out a way to untangle that knot and get paid for it right. and then go to the next one, right? Yeah. Um, and with the agency, I mean, that really put you kind of in a in a business that you had no familiarity with, right? Because you were doing marketing. Yeah, yeah I wasn't a marketer. Mm-hmm. I was a finance guy. What made you go into marketing and into a creative component? Why did you stop managing the money aspect? Because it was still your own business. Yeah, so so many um, of these surgeons were coming to us in the financial space. And they were building their practices, they were rock and roll, but they're like trying to grow and scale in a new community or a new town or whatever. Here's, uh, this is so interesting. I've actually, don't think anybody's ever asked me this. And y'all are going to like, as marketers, anybody who's a marketer here, you're going to like, love this. You're going to hear it. And if you're not a marketer, you're going to be like, oh yeah, right. I know. So all these marketers were helping our surgeons. I was a financial advisor then, helping with wealth management. But I kept hearing them talk about these marketing firms. Well, we just pay this marketing firm $10,000 a month. No results. They built a new website. They're doing social media. They're running ads. No results. Why can't somebody just guarantee their results? You know, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, what if there was a marketing firm that said, look, you can pay me up front or you can pay me on the profits but either way, I'll do the work for you and I will connect my work with real results. And I actually thought, Rachel, that would be a stupid idea because I thought marketing was kind of this um, magic, you know, unicorn filled cloud that you couldn't really quantify or work with in, intentionally. I'm a data guy, I'm a financial guy. So I started doing my homework and I started interviewing other people who ran marketing firms and realizing there is an enormous amount of data in the marketing space. And so after about a year of just trying to get my brain around this, I realized, I think we can build a marketing plan for a couple of surgery groups and do it 100% on the data and do nothing creative, everything data-driven. And if there is a creative that comes out of it, it would be data-driven. So we tried it with three surgeons and it completely worked. Like, blew my mind how much it worked. And then I was like, okay, I asked for referrals from those three surgeons. And I told the referrals I got, hey, I'm going to charge you five times more than anybody else has ever charged you. And if you don't like that fee, I'll do it on a performance basis. And I'll do it on a profit share structure. And I'll make 10 times. Only one of them ever took the 10 time offer. The rest of them all paid 5x. And we started the agency because it works. And how did you figure out this marketing plan again, like without having a background in that area? I, I came at it from a data standpoint. I think okay. I just came at it with, without looking at the world creatively um, as a as a typical marketer would. I I looked at it from, okay, there's a whole bunch of people making a whole bunch of buying decisions in an emotional way. I get it. That's the way humans buy. But there are reasons that their emotions are getting triggered. There's timing, there's placement, there's images, there's stories, there's all these things that are creative and heartfelt. But there is a data pattern below it that if it's laid out in the right sequence, it triggers that human emotion. Hmm. And so we started hiring creatives to produce what we knew needed to be in the steps and then we try it out and only make decision based on the data that came back. Okay. And and it's really been kind of fascinating to watch that. And and working in our space in the surgery space, 
again, Rachel, you know, I spend like an hour a week on that business yeah. now. I've got a great team who runs it all. But working in the surgery space, those surgeons really appreciate that approach because they're data-driven humans. Mm-hmm. They're not mm-hmm. doing creative surgeries. You True. Know? Mm. Yeah. So it's it's been a good fit. Yeah. Interesting. One thing, too, you've always done is I think back to when we first met is um, you're really open to negotiating the way you're paid for services, which is unusual, quite honestly. Um, Can you just share a little bit about that? Like, what's the psychology behind that and why does that work for you? especially the working with surgeons. I have had 23 surgeries that I didn't need because I've just negotiated services for surgeries. No, uh, that'd be funny. <laughs> but even, even in your coaching program, right? The mastermind yeah. coaching program, at yeah. least you were doing that. Maybe it was in the earlier days, but, but again, I, I've just found you, it's like when you're trying to sell someone, the feeling that I got is you want this to be a win-win so bad, you're actually willing to just almost give it to the person. And like you said, get paid on the back end versus the front end. Yeah. So to me, if you find a client, this is all of you Rachel fans listening in. When you find a client, you're, my goal is to help the client, right? And And for me to be able to serve that client, let's say it's an expert coach, an author, a speaker, somebody who's got an expertise like I did, and I'm trying to build my first information selling business, build a mastermind, whatever. I want to help that client. So the only way I can do that is to make them a client. Like I have to I have to get them over the fence. So my job as the salesperson, quote unquote, in the selling mode is is not to figure out how do I squeeze money out of this person? My job is to figure out where are they? What kind of opportunity, resource, et cetera, do they have? Where am I? What do I need in my world? And is there a way to make that match? Now, the easiest thing to do is to just swap some Stripe account money. Like, mm-hmm. you pay me to be in my program, all right? But kind of taking it back a couple generations, people used to swap goods and services because if I have a cow and I got milk and you got chickens and you got eggs... I can sell you the milk and go to the market and buy eggs, or I can just swap you the eggs, right? Right. So that's a little bit messy, and you got to figure it out and do the business yeah. side of that right. But ultimately, we do that on occasion because we need what they what they provide, and they need what we provide, and there's a match. But even in the surgery world, let's talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the mastermind world, sometimes we do profit-sharing um, situations in our mastermind world. If I know there's a big win here and they yeah. just need my team and I to teach them how to do it, and they're like, hey, I'd prefer to meet in the middle on this. I'm like, okay, let's put some profit sharing in place. Let's document yeah. it, get it done. Yeah. And then how do you track all that? I mean, you just, again, like back to your systems and processes, I know that's a strength of yours. So is that what you've done essentially is like put the proper, because I, I could just see that getting a little bit fuzzy, right? Like this person has this payment plan. That person has that structure. Yeah. It's all, it's all added up and kept pretty tight in our, in our CRM. We use go high level. Um, and that keeps track of all kinds of notes and data points. We also have a spreadsheet that tracks all the payment structures, particularly when they get creative. 
because the spreadsheet allows us to track dollars in, dollars out, deals that are getting closed, if there's some kind of creative structure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, when I was doing finance and wealth management stuff, there's a lot of contracts people would sign. There's a lot of wills and estate planning documents going around, all that kind of thing. And clients would ask frequently, hey, I want to give this money or this property, this resource to this person in this way. Every 10 years, I want them to get a payout or pay for college or donate charity, whatever. Can we do that? I'm like, yes. Like it might not be cookie cutter and the attorney might not have a boilerplate for it. But yeah, if you can dream it up, you can pretty much document or put a system around it. And so that's, we've taken that same methodology into this practice. Mm-hmm. What that that's really fascinating. I've never heard anybody talk about that in that way. You're basically like taking lessons learned from one and applying to another. But again, like the way you're putting systems and processes together to make it work for your potential client is just really impressive from a but also actually like from a brand perspective, like you're establishing in the selling process that um you're very service driven. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're gr- creating that trust with that new relationship, right? To get them in the door. So, um, yeah, but it, but it has to be a match. And and Rachel, I think that's the key for any of us doing this. If you're if you're really focused on what your prospects' needs are, and you truly believe you can help them, then taking their money mm-hmm. is okay. If you really don't think you can help that client then taking their money is unethical. Okay, yeah. let's start with that foundation. So building on that, if I really believe I can help you build a mastermind or group coaching program, then taking your money or exchanging services or a profit sharing thing is going to work out fine for me because I've done enough homework on you to know yeah. this will work. So I don't have as much risk. And, and entering into every relationship that way, even if it's just a, a Stripe account, they're just paying me up front. I still want to have the same level of intentionality of, I believe this will work for you. That's why you're getting in our program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, totally. So tell us a little bit about how your mastermind program is structured now and how you came up with that structure. So when we were teaching the mastermind about how to build digital marketing agencies and do it for profit in less time, we learned a lot about just how to deliver the content and how to make sure people were winning and taking advantage of the opportunities they had. And it was way easier than I thought delivering content and help people change because it was what I knew how to do. I knew how to build that model of agency. So I knew how to teach somebody else to do it. The, what we, what we transitioned to, oh, like it was like two thirds of the people who've been through that mastermind asked us at some point, will you teach us how to build our own mastermind? So we started putting together content for, okay, yeah, we built a mastermind, we marketed it, we sold it, we fill them up, here's how we do it. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, this is so repeatable. Anything any of you learn how to do, if you're good at it, you can actually teach it to someone else and they'll pay you for it. So that's what we do now. We just got really good at filling and selling our own masterminds. We've turned it into a system, learned how to delegate it to a couple of team members, And it just runs like clockwork. And now we can teach anybody to do that. And that's what we've done for several years now is only teach that process. All that to say, like everybody just stop right now. And if you need to pause this where you are and make some notes, I would encourage you to do that. Like get a piece of paper out, get your phone out, get a notepad out, whatever. And like write down, what are you good at? 
that makes you money or that changes your health or that increases your relational strength, people you love, whatever it is, write down what you're good at that, that brings real value to your life. And then write down, what do people talk to you about? Ask you questions about, hey, how'd you build that business? Hey, your relationship with your spouse seems like amazing. How are y'all doing that? Hey, how did you raise such great kids? Whatever the question is, right? Whatever that thing is, you you honestly can sell that. You can coach people on that. And you're good at it. You're passionate about it. That's why you're probably good at it because you love doing it. That's why you got good at it. People are asking you about it. Look for that those two things to, to kind of cross over and you'll find the space that is your space for coaching. It's really not that hard to find that space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And why did you get behind the mastermind model? Why did Time. you select that as like your next, you know, I, I t it's really clear um, the how you did that, but why? Time, always time. I have, I have one tattoo, Rachel. Uh, it says free. And the word free, I, I, I came from a really abusive home growing up um, and then made my own good and bad choices growing up. And ultimately, we all kind of wind up as adults at some stage in our life. And we're like, OK, what others have done to me and what I've probably done to myself hasn't really set me on the right track. I need to get free from some things. So I've spent a lot of time getting free from the gremlins others gave me and that I gave myself. That also includes the work-life balance that I mentioned earlier. And, and so once I was free of the time constraints of work, which gave me a lot of opportunity to heal my heart in other ways, I didn't want to go back. So I was thinking, okay, I know I want to have an information-based business, but what's the way I can do this where it won't fill up my calendar and where I can actually change people's lives? And I was worried that if I went down and kept tracing this e-course book um, podcast only model, that I would sell a bunch of e-courses eventually and figure it out. But it would, you know, we've all taken e-courses and sometimes they just don't work because you don't really know how to make it work for you. So I wanted to stay with a model that I could actually connect to people and, and help make that applicable to them. So I went down the group coaching and mastermind path because I could work with 10, 15, 20 people at a time and help them collectively stay accountable, stay on track, get it done. And I could actually make sure nobody got stuck. And that was a really important piece for me and it worked. And it allowed me to scale and be really profitable at it and really like be connected to people when they change their lives. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned the word accountability, which I think is the biggest challenge for people to complete e-courses or even live programs. How is it that you you and your team help people stay accountable throughout this program, your programs, and how long are your, the duration of your programs typically? Our programs, you know, it only takes eight to 12 weeks to start a mastermind or a group coaching program. It doesn't take that long if you do it right. Our programs are as long as it takes though. Once we get somebody in there, we want to see you through it. Okay. The, the accountability question though, let's talk about that. We're all driven. Anybody who's like, if you're looking for a, a complete like platform rebrand structure of your business, obviously you're listening to Rachel. That's the, like, you know, she's the person for platform building and branding. Lean into Rachel. If you've tried to do your own platform building and branding and you struggled, 
It's not because there's not enough information of how to do it in the world. It's because it's hard to do it because you're freaking busy like I am. I don't do my own branding. I'm too busy. So it's important to find a, a person or a group. And I think a group is awesome where you can be like, here's the goal I'm trying to accomplish and just say it. And then take action, hire the person, hire the Rachel, find a group, whatever, get in there and like, get the deal done, execute. But when you're with a coach or a group where you're paying for it, like say you hire Rachel to do your branding, you're going to freaking do what she says because you paid her. You're going to go get the new images. You're going to go make a decision on colors. You're going to go write the stuff she asked you to write. You're going to work on the thing. Same with building a mastermind or group coaching program. There's steps that you have to do. You got to do the work to get the results. And, and when we're in a collective group of 15 people and we're all showing up on, uh, let's say, a Thursday afternoon to talk about what we did this week, I don't want to be the only one in the room yeah. who didn't do my work. I, you know, <laughs> it gets it done. We're just, we're just people and it, it works. <laughs> yeah, so true. Uh, let's take things a little bit more personal for a second. How do you think people would describe you if if you overheard two of your colleagues talking about you? What do you think one person would be saying to the other about you? Know, if they said, hey, what's Chris like? If they're a new employee, what would they say? My gosh, that's a good question. Um, here's what I hear people say. Um, I think they'd say, oh, my gosh, there's so much energy there. Does he ever sleep or, you know, something like that? Um, and. And then I think people would say, um, like, I, I think people would say, how does he, how does he actually get anything done? Because I, I think I come across really energetic and all over the place. And that's because of, I'm, I'm pretty high on the ADHD spectrum side of things. Um, but but the systems and structures and the, and delegating, like having good people around me, keeps that in check and lets my energy be focused. And before I had that, thank you, Tim Ferriss, before I had that, um, I was kind of all over the place and doing, I was one of those entrepreneurs who was like, yeah, I have like seven businesses going, you know, a couple of startups, a couple, and like now looking back, I'm like, that is the dumbest thing in the world. And I hear new entrepreneurs say that kind of stuff still I'm like, okay, we got to get you focused. That's a pretty common starting place for a lot of entrepreneurs. Unless you're Elon Musk, like you got huge teams and billions, you should be focused. Like, yeah. Be focused. Well, even he is like pretty focused on a couple of key businesses, right? He really is. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. Mm-hmm. How do you suggest somebody fi- figure out that focus? Where should they put their time and energy if they have several things going at once or if they're incubating several ideas? Uh, learn to say no. I've had to learn to say no a lot because there's so many cool people who reach out and say, Chris, we could do this together. I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. You got like, there's so many ideas out there. And if you're an energy based person, you're going to attract people who want to be like, let's do this together. Right. So learn to say no and just take stock of where you are. What is the highest profit margin thing you're doing that takes the least amount of your time? What is it? Mm. When you find that, do it three more times mm-hmm. and then decide what you can cut out and then do it three more times and decide what else you can cut out. Start, start intentionally driving the high profit margin, low time things forward and cutting out things that don't keep up with that initial project. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All your businesses too have been extremely niche. Mm -hmm. 
how do you, you know, again, like figure out the, the niche to get behind? Is it from a quant? Are you doing quantitative research it's, to figure that out? Profit margin, low time every time. Yeah. Okay. Where's the money okay. and how much time to take to generate it. And if you start following that path, the, the niche becomes obvious. Uh, I hear people argue back and forth, niche or no niche. What should you do? Right. The riches are in the niches, they say. Yeah, but, exactly. But ultimately, yeah, that's true. But the way to find that niche is to just constantly be looking at, here's a simple way to do this. Look back at the uh, 10 most profitable things you've done this past year. Clients you've worked with, gigs, projects, whatever it is for you. And look at those 10 and look at the commonality in those 10. You're going to find a group of them. It could be 40, 50, 60, 70% of those 10 things are going to have some common threads. Look for that. And then the next 10 gigs you want to get, clients you want to get, whatever, need to have that common thread. Mm. Those common threads will keep diving and then do it again. 10 more, analyze. 10 more, analyze. You're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper down a path that becomes more and more and more profitable and takes less and less and less time. Okay. That's great advice. So what's next on the horizon for you? It seems like you've been adjusting or um, identifying new paths for yourself every like three to five years, maybe three to seven years. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, so what do you think is next? Or do you feel like, well, you're about two and a half years into the this company, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so it might be too early to ask this question. Yeah. You know, Rachel, it's kind of interesting you asked that because I, I think I'm I'm like loving what I'm doing so much. I've never felt this at home in mm. a business model as I do now. I, I truly feel home. And so my team and I are just on a mission to just share with everybody how to actually take your knowledge and expertise and like actually make a living off of it. That's it. Like that's that's what we're doing. We're just doing it in a scalable way. Masterminding group coaching is just the easiest way to get straight to the profit so you get paid to build stuff. Skip the whole value ladder, skip all the low ticket stuff. Just go straight to how do I sell my information for the highest price and how do I actually use that resource to change people's lives and make sure that my business model is sustainable. Once you mm -hmm. crack that code, everything else in the value ladder opens up for you. Mm. One last question for you. We are in a recession is a, is a, you know, is an economy for sure. What do you tell people um, as they're deciding to make the investment in joining one of your programs, A, but B, what, like what advice, given that you have a financial background, what advice do you give business owners in terms of weathering the next couple of years? I would say, listen to what's going on in the market you're serving. Yeah, recession, pandemic, politics, war your person did or didn't get elected, whatever. There, look back at history, folks. What's going on right now is not new. We go round and round and round, all right? It's gonna be okay. What matters is are you listening to your market in this moment in time? They have real needs, real resources, and they can pay you. Not everybody's broke. They can pay you. Most people aren't broke when it comes down to it you're going to be okay. But if you if you take it from a fear standpoint, you're not. If you take it from a, okay, I see what people need and I can help them with that, you'll be fine. Make that decision and then reach out to people 
and offer your help. It's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. Chris, this has been so insightful. Thank you for sharing your the lessons you've learned along the way and some, some great suggestions for people growing and building businesses. Where is the best place to learn about you and also the you know the website where people could join one of your programs as well groupcoachnation.com everything's there groupcoachnation.com uh, if you want to find me on social just go to groupcoachnation.com the links are there just that's the easiest spot groupcoachnation.com we have tons of stuff here if you're like just figuring this out then we have some stuff in a beginner section for you that like you can just watch for free and learn about this model if you're more of an advanced or pro level person who's like i've been doing group coaching and masterminding for a while i just want to like anchor it in and get good at it. We got some stuff there for you advanced and pro level folks too. And there's so much to learn. Just do the work, but we just say, do the work to get the results, but just make sure you're doing the right work. Don't waste your time. Yeah, exactly. So visit Group Coach Nation and find the place that's just right for you on Chris's website. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Business of You. If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.